You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening. This is slugging it. We're back. Three of us are back. Simon, nice of you to join us, mate. Do you want to give us a bit of a, an old school flu update? Old school flu update is one, old school flu, far worse than COVID. Just saying. Had COVID before. That was fine. Managed that. Could have carried on. Old school flu. In bed for four days. Still struggling. And a little bit a week later, a bit of a cough. So I'm sorry if that comes over tonight. I'm sure Huge might have to work his magic to make sure there's not constantly me going like, <laughs> yeah, that was an actual one. But yeah, feeling pretty good now. Feeling pretty good to the point where I can feel up to having a bit of a beer. So yeah, thank you for your concern. I missed a good one last week, didn't I? You did. That was a proper interview that was and unbelievable to hear from Mark and the things he said and stuff that I cherry. There's obviously it means a lot to us, but what an unbelievable person for a start he is. And the passion that he's got for that charity is amazing. And yeah, I, what an interview. Well done, you pair, for getting the information out of him or not information out of him. It didn't sound like he'd taken a lot of dragging out but because he's so passionate about it, but really enjoyed listening to it. However, can, what have you signed me up for? Apparently, I've got to sit on a bike with one of you pair. Bear in mind, when I was listening to this last week, the only bit of my body that was functioning semi-properly was my arse. <laughs> and listening to that, the thought of being sat on a bike for a day, <laughs> having to hopefully we all work out a little bit, so it seems a little bit 50-50 in the effort. But my, even my arse gave out at that point. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't quite know what to do. Yeah. But hopefully we can raise some money. Hopefully I can buy some padded shorts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What an interview. What have you signed me up for? Uh, uh, well, I'll let you answer that. You just quickly, how, how have you been in this week? Uh, you've been in social media overdrive. You've been putting all sorts of hours in on behalf of the two of us post the interview last week. How's your week been? And then, yeah, if you'd like to fill Simon in on what we ha indeed we have signed him up for, that'd be great. Right. I'm never filling Simon in, first of all. More Need to after last week. I... Trust me. <laughs> More importantly, yeah, look, the social media posts were organic, right? It wasn't a tough thing to do with Mark and the content that he provided last week. Firstly, the charity that we support is just unbelievable. And I think our listeners donate as much as they do. The reason for that is because it is a great charity and yeah, and long may it continue. So yeah, week was really good. I'm worried about the cycle a little bit because is Robbo going to be with me? Am I going to have to tug Mark around? Let me rephrase that. Am I, gonna have to... <laughs> Am I going to have to make it? Actually, yeah, I don't know what the right word is there. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride on the, is it the London 100? What is it called? Yeah, it's called Ride 100 London. Uh, it used to be done in London and Surrey, but they've changed it now. So it's London and Essex. Hopefully that means it's a bit flatter because Box Hill is a killer in Surrey. So now that's off the cards. I'm super up for it. We'll probably do a draw, who's, who rides with who. I mean, 
I don't know if we only get half a medal each because if we're doing it on two tandems, then in theory it's only half the work, right? So but I think that's going to give us loads of content in terms of, you know, regular updates on training, so on and so forth. But a great way for us to engage more with the charity and provide much needed funds. You know, as Mark said last week, it's not only the kids of different backgrounds and varying disabilities that they help. The thing that really struck with me was the fact that it's the, the messages you get from the families about how much kind of it offers to them, which I, I, is huge. And I think what we're going to try and do is get one of the mum of one of the boys that was at the Super Ones evening um, on and, and just talk a little bit about that, just to try and give you guys, the listeners, even more understanding of how important it is and the work that we do and we continue to support the charity. So, but yeah, so look, the, the Ride 100, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have to, I, you know, Gene's got a Peloton, I've got a Peloton. Simon's going to have to do a load of laps around his garden uh, in order to get his fitness up. Well, he'll probably more likely end up coming to my house and using my Peloton for training rides, I'd imagine, but I might even come there on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Hang on. People actually ride outside? What's going on? Madness. Madness. Hey, it's dangerous. I did it a couple of years ago and it traumatized <laughs> me. But we should get into, uh, get into the episode. Great to have you back, Simon, as always. It, 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 it didn't feel like a whole, a full compliment last week. It was nice for me not to get abused for a week. So, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to see what the Mark, next. Mark did try. Mark did try. He, he did, yeah, he did. He did it well, in fairness. Certainly, I was going to say, yeah, he did. I, it, it sounds like I need to up my game a little bit, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's funny, naturally. Um, you have to, <laughs> you have there it is. That started. <laughs> and we're back. Um, right. Let's get into it. We'll start off on the cricket draft. Should we talk about this? Because obviously this is a big thing for us. Eugene, you've kind of this again. Do you want to just let people know what's going on and then we can start talking about the exciting things that we've got coming as part of it? We're all, what do we call ourselves? We're a cricket podcast by cricketers for cricketers. So what has cricket got that the cricket draft has? Competition. So from my perspective, my squad is going to win. However, I am not going to be able to win any of the prizes because terms and conditions apply but the listeners out there are in for a treat with the prizes that we've collected it's interesting the cricket draft has done a great job in getting all together they're aiming for ten thousand teams which is an unbelievable number when you look at it we're hoping to contribute as the slogging it public team around about 100 i think we're around about 50 now ish somewhere around there and our the important thing there is that we want to make sure that we raise as much money as we can through the prizes that we have. I know a couple of prizes have been confirmed. We've still got more to be confirmed. The important thing about the cricket draft, it starts on Saturday. So while you're listening to this podcast, go out and create your team, join the Slogging It League, and make sure you get involved. There's short game weeks too. So one of the things that that I thought about was like, how long is a game week? Because what? how long is a World Cup? A World Cup's what, three or four weeks? Mm. A game week? In week one, as an example, is Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That is game week one. You can make changes to your squad, make changes to your teams, your starting lineup, all of that sort of stuff is really important. Get involved. Make sure you get your teams out there. We've got great prizes, including dinners, wines, golf. Lord's Tavs is absolutely involved in it in terms of making sure that they give us a couple of things here and there. So from our perspective, it's definitely something you want to be involved with. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think we're up to about 50 teams at the minute. As I say, we want to double that. Uh, don't think that if you miss out by Saturday that you can't then join. You just basically miss out on any of the games that, have missed, that you've missed, basically. Uh, if your team's not ready by the start, then you, you can't accrue any points from, from that particular game. In terms of prizes, I know that with, yeah, you've got like, some wine, uh, there's a couple of dinners. But things that we will be able to announce uh, in a lot more detail next week is obviously with our partnership with Tabs. There's going to be an opportunity for people to join the three of us at the Tabs Christmas Lunch, which is a phenomenal event. When is that, Jonah? At the 5th of December, that will be. So we'll figure out uh, now and when we next talk to you exactly what that looks like. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Martin Bayfield, who's acting rugby player, brilliant, brilliant speaker, uh, absolutely hilarious. Very, very funny man. Yeah, he's about 18 feet tall and just built like a garage. Yeah, I've been to events with him before. Have you seen the rumours who's going to be a guest speaker? Well... Is it a bloke that got injured on a golf course? Is that is it, who's just been kicked out of the Australian World Cup team? Because yeah, of, it's not Josh English. Now. It's not Josh English now. Who's the other fellow no. who recently? Uh, John Daly. He's definitely been injured on a golf course. <laughs> yes. What? What beer can ring pulls? Probably. Well, the last video I saw him, I think he got run over <laughs> by his own golf buggy. <laughs> 
No, the the rumours are that uh, none other than England's own Johnny Bairstow will be uh, as they get the YJB is uh, is TBC. Uh, but uh, obviously, as soon as we have more information on that, it's a great rumour, hey, such a great rumour. Look, yeah, brilliant. Obviously, after the year he's had, both you know probably not great at the back end of the year, but obviously, what a year he's had. Across all formats. Oh, I've heard he was level par when he got injured, so it was probably going quite well till that point. <laughs> yeah, good and bad in every game with golf. Robbo was uh, certainly seen when playing with you. Four left, all four right. You're not. You don't discriminate, really, do you? I'm not <laughs> racist, mate. <laughs> we hit it left. <laughs> uh, so the, there's like loads, some amazing like merchandise that the tabs have given us. There's um, hospitality seats at Lords that the tabs have already provided. So we're just trying to figure out uh, more different things and just wait for absolute confirmation on what the, that dinner looks like. But there will be the opportunity to join the three of us at the uh, Lords Tavern's Christmas lunch on the 5th of December. So is that, that a prize, really? Joining us at a dinner? It'd be a prize if we. I think w- joining me and you at a dinner dinner's fine, you. But... <laughs> Person's just going to have to get used to Jono hobnobbing. 15 all, my serve. Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of where we're at. Right. Um, what else do we need to talk about? World Cup T20 so far. A couple of shocks. Namibia beat Sri Lanka. No one saw that coming. And they hammered them. And Scotland beat the West Indies. Yeah. yeah. No one saw that coming. Being about 40 odd runs, I think. I haven't seen much of it because I'm in Spain and we don't have a telly. We actually have to like talk to each other. Which is disappointing. So obviously you guys who've got more access to it, what, what's what been going on? What's been the good, the bad and the ugly from it so far? One thing has been shown for sure. There's no such thing as minnow teams anymore. Now, the great thing about cricket, especially in a T20 World Cup, is any team can beat anybody. I know there was a couple of shocks years ago when I think Ireland beat England. But you, you look Netherlands at the results beat England. now. Somebody else yeah, beat yeah. England. Oh, is it always England? Normally, I didn't yeah. want to go down that route. No. There's two things that will always happen in a World Cup. Someone will beat England, that's a minnow, and South Africa will choke. Those are the two constants in every World Cup, so we're okay. Yeah, so look, from my perspective, great start, really enjoying games. Strange times, right? Who wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning to watch a cricket game? Yes, that'll be us. Yes. yes. <laughs> will it? Or do you just watch the highlights? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it depends if my little boys woke me up, to be honest. Well, yeah. yeah. I think the best things I've seen of the T20 World Cup so far, slash warm-up games. Now, the first one was the lad from the UAE. This one playing in the World Cup and has obviously played a reasonable level of cricket. He couldn't figure out how you cross a boundary when you've got out. Stacked it, fully on his face whilst trying to leave the pitch. Hilarious. The other thing... What's his name? this is a question. I, I haven't seen this, Robert. What's his name? I need oh, to Google this. What's I, his name? Hang on. Bear with his name is, I'm going to definitely say this wrong, Ayan Afsal Khan. But at number nine for the UAE, he got uh, five runs from seven balls and was out to Fred Klassen, who I'm guessing is uh, playing against the UAE. And uh, It sounds Namibian. It's, clo- it's got to be close to South Africa. Is it? Netherlands. Oh. Netherlands. Is it Netherlands? Oh. Yeah. And he got out and then was trying to leave the pitch. As, I mean, the poor lad is only 17 years old, so it might only be 16, actually. And he's tried to do a nice little jig to jump over the rope. Failed miserably. It it very much reminded me of that time, is when Jono topped one off the tee that time me and you played together, huge with Jono. And he yes. tried to just nip over that rope and stacked it flat on his face. It was very mm. similar to when he'd not reached the ladies' tee and should have played the hole with his trousers down. But yeah, it was very reminiscent of that. All of that story is factually correct, by the way. On video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, and this is a question for people, are the grounds in Australia big enough for this tournament? Because in two of the games so far, in one game, one of the lads from the West Indies hit one from Hobart to New Zealand he hit it into the river. It was enormous, to the point where the guy he was batting with actually stood there with his hands on his head, going, that's ridiculous. And well, in England against Pakistan... It's, it's nowhere warm. near him. <laughs> well, it's nowhere near him. Why has he got his hands on his head? He must have, might have thought he was going to trouble completely around the globe and dong him back on the Swede. Uh, Liam Livingston hit one out of the Gabba. Mm. Now, I've been to the Gabba, not a small venue. 
It used to have a full cricket pitch and a racetrack around it, and they've got rid of the racetrack and made it more of the ground. And he hit it out of the ground. Now, this is not a small little flick. It's not like when you play at Bestwood Miners Welfare and you like you can just chip it and it goes to six. <laughs> it was enormous. It was ridiculous. So my question is, twofold really, one's a semi-serious one, is why do we feel the need in T20 that we need to bring the ropes in, like we see in quite a lot of the tournament, but two, do we need to play on bigger ground? Well, we were chatting off air and I said, we need cameras outside of the grounds to start measuring the sixes because it is, some of those lads at the moment are just absolutely crushing that ball and it is flying miles. More importantly, is there insurance for people outside of the ground? What happens if somebody gets sconned on the head with a cricket ball now? <laughs> I check the row cave first, but it would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I hit one out the oval once. John, from the practice net and you snagging it through the net doesn't count. No, it was in a six-a-side day where you only play an half a wicket and uh, I just flicked one off my legs over the year. Uh, the, um... It wasn't like when Chris Gale did it to Brett Lee in that one day. In that... No, not like, like <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. Couldn't be further away from that if you tried. If I'd been hitting it in the middle, I would have probably been caught somewhere between square leg and deep backward square leg running it, I would imagine. But anyway, I've hit one out the oval, so... Yeah. Can't take that away from you. Absolutely. Uh, right. Uh, injuries. We, re we kind of touched on the Josh Inglis one there. The Australian reserve wicketkeeper. It would be funny if Tim Payne got a call up with <laughs> the new reserve wicketkeeper. Uh, although surely it'd have to be Alex Carey would be the next guy in, you would think. He's playing state cricket at the minute. But Josh Inglis had a bit of a... seems to be a lot of golfing injuries at the minute. He, I think he hit a shot. He's club snapped or something and then like his hand or something and so he's now out the world cup but more disappointingly i guess for england fans uh reese toplin enjoying catching practice rolled his ankle and taken catch on the edge stood on the boundary foam and he's done some pretty serious ligament damage two out of the three main ligaments in his left ankle i think so that's going to put him out for a while i think yeah, that's massive um, for england to be fair Jamal Mills has been brought sad, in. The poor bloke's had a bit of a run with injuries, hasn't he? He's been spent most of his sort of career in and out of work, either working his way back from injury, then having a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and then seems to get injured again. And he just made himself almost a fixture in that bowling department that we've got, obviously, that left arm and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I feel for him. Actually, at the, at the last World Cup, T20 World Cup, he came in when Timar Mills got injured. Yeah, so that's cracking, cracking knowledge. I didn't know that. That is right. such a good story. So it's a reverse. Sports news I have to say, it's going to be huge. Yeah, huge loss. Huge loss for England, losing Reese Topley. The warm-up games and in the Pakistan tour, he was imperious. He was, yeah. He's a big man, yes, but also bowled very well. So huge loss. Good-looking bloke. Good-looking bloke. We need to get we need to get our resident expert on attractive cricketers in. So, Jono, you need to ask Lisa. <laughs> yeah, she's in bed, unfortunately. So she... Um, yeah, I'll ask her in the morning and, and uh, we can record a, a special segment with the wife. Yeah, it is, it is a shame for East Topley Easter with stress fractures, uh, as all England bowlers seem to do at, at various different times. But yeah, he's obviously, you know, the last kind of 12, 18 months or whatever, been, been fantastic in an England shirt and it's a real shame for him. I saw a, a tweet from his dad. Uh, his dad, Don, owns a cricket travel company and was he's on his way out. And I think he's somewhere in the Middle East and then found out that his son's cropped and will, won't be taking part, which is a real shame, both Reese and Don, to be honest. Moving on. So I've just remembered something from last week. Eugene said that one of the things that we'd be going massively in depth to this week was our team for, I said this on the pod last week, we're going to be, we're all going to talk about our teams. Now, I can't remember whether that's our teams for the cricket draft or whether that's our England starting 11. Well, I've got both. And I bet you two don't. Oh, well, I've got my cricket do. draft, and I'm pretty sure I can figure out an England 11, sharpish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When Challenge. We, Go on. We, we race through this. Okay. Right. Let's start with the England lineups. Mine. Should I go first? Because yeah, to and give us about three seconds to at least get something yeah. semi written now. Okay. So, my lineup now, obviously, with uh, Topley being out. My lineup for the Afghanistan game, because I imagine you have to go in with your strongest 11 game one. Butler, Hales, Milan, Stokes, Livingston, Brooks, 
they could go five, six either way. Moinelli, seven. Curran, eight. Wokes or Jordan, depending on the wicket, nine. Rashid, ten. Mark Wood, eleven. Any disagreements? Yeah, that's probably the easiest uh, to do, isn't it? My, first of all, Robbo, what did you think of my unpopular opinion last week with Stokes not making the 11 for England? Last week, I, I, I was agreeing with you last week. But then after And then these, he scored a little bit of runs. <laughs> well, the thing is with him is, for me, he's a big, big game player. And... In Australia, as don't dispute, I wouldn't go far away from Jono's side, to be honest. I wouldn't have Milan in just because I don't think he... I think someone like a Stokes can play the same role that he does if he chooses to. I think Stokes is good enough to bat three in T20 cricket now and play. If he goes in after two overs, he can play a steadier innings. And I think if he goes in after six overs, he can dong it. So for me, I wouldn't pick him. I'd have a very similar team. But I'd probably um, look at, 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 at an additional hitter or middle order batter. That having a, a look at the squad, but I've got Hales, Butler, Stokes, Brooks. Probably then going Livingston, Ali, Curran. I miss. I've missed one. I'm pretty certain. Both Wokes or Jordan, I think, is, uh, or Mills. So what have we got? Hales, Butler, Stokes, Brooks. Livingston, Ali's at six, Curran at seven. And then your last four are probably Wood, Rashid, Mills, and probably Jordan. You got you got too many bowlers. Because I'd give I don't think you can have too many bowlers in Australia. I don't think so you can. Flat. You need to go bowling heavy. How many you've I'd seen? Massively, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. I'm with Robo there. I'm going. I'm also going batting heavy, like super batting heavy. I'm going. I think we've all gone for the same start. First two are always going to be Butler and Hales. Even though Hales doesn't have a central contract, he's just the king of the big bash when he comes to scoring runs. So definitely him. I'm going Livingston three. I just think again, you need to have your best batters in nice and early. Harry Brook four which is, a, again, another big hitter. I do think that then you'd like somebody like Mo and Ali to come in at five. Sam Curran, who I don't know if you've seen, he's been imperious in his games in the warm-up. So those are my batters. Then I'd reverse it and go start bowling. And I'm going Tamal Mills at 11, Mark Wood at 10. I'm going David Willey. I'm going Adil Rashid. And I've got one more all-rounder, which I can squeeze in, and I think it might have to be Ben Stoke. Okay. Uh, let me tell you why I think you're both wrong about Milan. He's the sixth best T20 batter in the world, according to stats. Uh, not long since was he number one batter in the world. People think he nerdles it in T20. Well, first 20 balls, he probably goes at a strike rate of 80. After that, he's at 160 and then gets better and better. I think there is call for someone who's able to bat a little bit more through. He still hits boundaries. I think it's a conceptual thing. You remember a year, well, years ago, probably is years ago now, when we talked to Matt Floyd about subconscious bias. I think David kind of suffers with that a little bit. I think people see him as a bit of a worker of the ball rather than someone who hits boundaries. Like, he hits strong shots. You remember he scored 100 against the Aussies at the Gabba in a test match in 20, whenever it was. This guy can play, he grew up in South Africa, can play quick bowling on fast, bouncy wickets. I think, I personally think we'll stick with him. I really do. I was listening to something, I can't remember what it was the other day. They were talking about England's lineup. Like England, the side that they've got, they can afford to go from ball one and just know that they've got batter batter. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone like Pakistan, if Baba and Rizwan don't come off, then they're gonna they're gonna struggle. Like they they're so reliant on those guys. Obviously they've got some good a good all rounder in Shadab Khan. They've got Shaheen Sharafridi who's just a phenomenal the both up top where he'll swing it back in left arm at pace and then it will bowl decently at the back end as well in terms from a batting perspective they are very light and very reliant on those two guys they're two gun players at the top of the order there's this Ali comes in and buffs it and um, yeah I think David will play uh, from my own perspective I hope he does play and we'll tell and we'll see where we get to but okay, so that so we'll 
pretty much in agreement, I'd say, aren't we? A couple of things to tinker with and whatever. We've got a squad of 12, haven't we? We're pretty, yeah. pretty much. We'll we come on to that. We'll finish, we'll finish with, but we'll come back onto our cricket draft things because they might be a little bit different. It'll be interesting to see uh, what our sides are or what our squad's there because you picked 15 players. I'm going to come on to uh, Johnny Layton's email. So remember, those of you who listened to last week's episode will remember that we had a story from Johnny Layton last week about uh, Pesto, who we've already talked a little bit about tonight. But they, I had to wait, obviously, until Robbo was back to have this conversation because this goes back to what something we were talking about in week one of the third series. So when we were talking about, we brought something up about the cost of test tickets or what have you. You two then disagreed with me, which is fine, which is absolutely all right. You're wrong, of course, but uh, you're all right. But then we had this email in from Johnny Layton. So I'll read it. I'll read it in full and then we can discuss it. Afternoon, gents. Uh, I'm getting in touch in relation to the increase in ticket prices for test matches next year that you spoke about on this week's episode. This summer, I've attended six days of test cricket and one one day international, as well as a couple of Yorkshire County Championship days. Yes, I might be a tight Yorkshireman, but this rant isn't born out of that. My rant comes. My rant comes as ticket prices for the Ashes next year in 2023 have been doubled. I attended day one and two of the New Zealand test matches at Headingley this year and paid £45 a ticket for each day. Upon longing on last week to purchase for next year, I was shocked to see the prices for day one and two in the same section as I was last year at doubled to £90 a ticket. I take on your comments from the last pod about it being elite sport and that this is just the price you have to pay, but I have to disagree with them. Maybe the ticket prices in the past were on the cheap side. £45 for a full eight-hour day of live sport is very reasonable, and there maybe was a call for a price increase. But with the current cost of living crisis, I think to double the price is criminal. I dare say that if other products were double in, to double in price, then people like myself would be outraged. Just look at the energy costs and the uproar surrounding them. I also think it is very untimely of the ECB to put the prices up. The 100 have been introduced to make cricket more appealing to the masses and show that it's not an elitist sport. However, putting the prices of watching Test cricket up has proven that the sport is in fact elitist and only available to those who can afford to shell out the best part of £100 to watch something you'd have paid half for the year previous. For me, it's not the affordability that's the issue, it's the principle of a 100% price increase that will prevent me from going to watch England live next year. I had planned to attend all four or five days at Headingley next year, but with a potential cost of £450, I've decided to put the heating on for a couple of hours at home instead. Nice of him to finish it off in a lighter note. Now, look, he obviously references back to the conversation we had originally. Look, I'm not expecting you guys to change your minds, but I think it's interesting that, and we should, and listeners are bothered enough and take the time enough to message into us about this. It's only right that we can back to it and discuss it. So what would your, I guess, does that change your opinion? Now, hearing it not just from me, from other people and, and, and the reasons He's probably put across different reasons than I originally did. Has that changed your minds at all? Or have you got any other views on it? As I said before on episode one, I'm sympathetic to the situation. And yes, I think that given the current climate, it does seem extreme. But if we're naive enough to think that these ticket prices were factored in the last six months or eight weeks or whatever it might be, then we're being a little bit naive to, to think that these things are done well in advance and would have probably been budgeted at the start of the year when we're looking very different in the current financial world so look I, I, yes it is to see that ticket certain tickets have doubled in price is a shock or could be seen as a shock and isn't necessarily great but the the proof of the pudding will come in are they going to sell it out and well yeah, it does make it unaffordable to some people. It's not, the ECB can't stand there and go, like you say, the price of living is increasing and that applies to everyone. If we're naive enough to think that the food vendors aren't doubling their prices, if we're naive enough to think that to pay the stewards isn't going to go up, if we think that we're naive enough to pay for the police to attend them and, and manage the games isn't going to increase, then... It, it, it's difficult for the ECB to go, oh, yeah, okay, so everything else is going up and our costs are going up, but I don't think, we're not going to increase. I don't think it's doubling. I think that's the question. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, is, so, is it worth a double? That's where I have a little bit of an issue with the fact that it's apparently it's doubled. In certain, certain tickets have doubled. Now, 
I don't think this has anything to do with the ECB, by the way, because remember, each ground tenders mm. and applies to get a cricket ga- a game of England cricket played it there. So yeah. it's not on the ECB. Yes, the ECB might have an influence in it, but my, my, I think we need to just take a step back and it's the grounds that are doing this. Now, I look at it from a Lord's perspective. We've, I've been going to cricket at Lord's for 10 years now. I've never, ever paid 45 quid for a ticket, no matter what day it is. So I go back to the original conversation in episode one. I think it's basically come down to, and it's very simply come down to, it's now supply and demand. If people are willing to pay a price for a product, whether it be cricket, whether it be Humbugs. a beer, whether it be whatever, then exactly, then so be it. And Robert, you mentioned, will they sell out? They will 100% sell out. Now, I'm very sympathetic like you to a lot of people out there, but if I'd known if the, the, I could go to a cricket ground and pay 45 quid for a, a game of cricket, I would do it every day of the week. But supply and demand, people are still going to be buying those tickets at 90 quid. It's still going to be sold out. And look, what we have to remember is these guys are businesses. They have to make money to make sure. It's horrible to bring this analogy in, but look what's happening with the RFU and Worcester and Wasps at the moment. They've gone into administration, right? Now, they have to make money. They're businesses. Would you pay for it? We can choose to watch it on TV, or you can choose to go to the ground. That is up to you. That, for me, goes back to my point. Like you say, if you talk about the tender process, then this tender was done three years ago. This tender isn't done the year before. It's done years and years in advance. So Yorkshire, we'll use Yorkshire because Johnny says he's a Yorkshireman. Yorkshire would have put their tender in at a significant price. You're talking millions and millions of pounds that Yorkshire County Cricket Club are bidding for this game. And they would have sat there and gone, the reason why they can charge £45 for a test match against South Africa or New Zealand or whatever is because their tender price would have been significantly less. Because they know that at the end of the day, we've got six grounds and we've got five tests. Now, we all know that Trumpbridge, Edgebaston, Headingley and Old Trafford are bidding for three tests. Mm. because the Lords and the Oval will always get one. That's always, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Maybe not the Oval is is always necessarily right, but that's fine. We know that Lords are always going to have one. That's fine. The Oval's always going to get one. They're going to be sitting there, heading there, going to be sitting there and going, okay, for example, Trent Bridge are going to bid. Last time they bid £2.6 million and beat us. So we now need to make sure we're bidding and they will factor in an entire price structure on every single ticket based on what they've received for, in terms of gate, in terms of interest before, all this kind of stuff. So they will sit there and go, we've got a 1,000 tickets available at 90 quid. We've got whatever it might be. The Optum Hospitality, where we've got a box of 10 at five and a half grand. They will factor all that in and base it on an, a percentage of sale in order to pro- come up with that bid, in order for them to make one and a half, two, three, four, whatever amount they do. So it, it's while it might seem like this is just a knee-jerk reaction to oh, shit, it's doubled over in, in, in 12 months. I, I don't think it is. This would have been in the pipeline yonks ago. I've got a couple of points, if that's all right. Um, yeah. So, one's a question, one's a, one's a fact or an opinion. So I'll go with the opinion first. I went to Old Trafford, day one of the South Africa test this year, half full. Half full at 50 quid a ticket, 45 quid a ticket. So if people are, if they can't fill it at 45, 50 quid a seat, are they going to fill it at 100 quid a seat or 95, 90 quid a seat or whatever? Now, quality test cricket against South Africa, which it is, I get the the ashes of the ashes. I understand that. But South Africa, as the number one test side in the world, at the time that we played them, I believe, but it's a big draw. England South Africa series are always brilliant series. And I went and I sat in the temporary stand at Old Trafford. That's right. I didn't have free hospitality. Couldn't believe it. It was, was literally half full. There were more empty seats in our stand than there were people sitting in seats. Now, the other quest, the other point, which is a question, this directly relates to Yorkshire. Yorkshire, as you said, quite rightly say, Simon will have bid for this three years ago and will have bid a price 
and will have had a, a an amount per ticket, mean average that they needed to make per ticket in order to break even and therefore make some money. Because you quite rightly point out, both of you, it is a business, right? So businesses need to make money. Do we think, because Yorkshire having to shell out cash left, right, and center to a lot of people that at that point, they didn't know that they had to sh start shelling out cash to in terms with all of these kind of wrongful dismissals. And, and we'll come on to Azim Rafiq in a minute because he's had another interesting week. But as that, do we think that, because a business has to look at a P&L, right? Now, Yorkshire's P&L is way down considering everything that's happened in the last 12 months on where they would have expected it to be at this point. Do we think that has had any direct correlation on the amount of increase? Like, would they maybe have gone from 45 to 60 quid next year? But actually, because of everything else that's going on within the Yorkshire County Cricket Club, have they now had to put it to 90 quid in order to start covering the extra showings that they are now facing? Could that, I, and I don't expect you to be able to answer this because neither of you could. But do we think that will have played any kind of a part in that decision-making? Yeah, yeah, it would have. It definitely would have. But I go back to it. These decisions were made probably not last year. These decisions would have been made much earlier. The one thing I always go back to here is it's a supply and demand. People will pay what they'll pay. Now, I didn't know that thing about with you going to Manchester and there was a half empty stand oh, by the way i don't think i've ever been to a cricket game maybe it's because i'm in sort of the south of england lords. versus the north lords, of england lords. yeah lords oval always sold out so from my perspective that's important the other thing that that i suppose is important is we need to understand who's in charge who makes the business decisions and how they make those business decisions things have changed a lot at Yorkshire specifically in the past 12 months from a leadership point of view? Is that where this has come from? Again, answers or questions we can't make, we can speculate and try and come up with answers for, but we're not going to. Yeah. Robo? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the answer to your question is probably. They may well have had a plan for £70 a ticket or £75 a ticket or whatever it was, but then given the fact they're having to fork out what could be anything up to a million quid or whatever it is in damages, yeah, are they going to bump 15 quid on a extra cost of a ticket knowing for a fact they'll sell it more than likely wouldn't they sell it that's my question like, well yeah. I mean, well, the, the proof they? of the pudding will be in the eating won't it and if necessary we know what they'll do if they don't sell it in the week before there'll be oh last minute tickets available 62 yeah. it, it's it when was the last time there was an ashes test in this country, wasn't full. it wasn't sold out. I get that. I get that. And I think and, it'd be interesting. It would have been interesting to see what the price differential would have been had it have been Sri Lanka and, I don't know, Afghanistan coming over. Like, I don't know enough about the fixtures next year. Obviously, the Ashes and the Ashes tends to be at the end of the year. And normally in the Ashes year, we play three tests against someone and then, yeah, somebody in the early stage of the year. So I don't know if that's the case again next year. Probably should have done a bit of research on it to find out if we're playing. Normally, it's a Sri Lanka or a Bangladesh or a New Zealand have been one that we've known, we've played before. So it, it, I suppose we could dive on and find out. It won't take yeah, anyone I mean, to Google. There, there is one more factor that we haven't actually mentioned on yet, which is test cricket does not go five days anymore. When last yeah, did you watch a test point. which lasted all five days? And You're trying to now sell a product that only lasts three days. And if it lasts day four and five, they give it away for free. Look, Thank I don't know how many times you. we've mentioned in the past. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. And there's so many conversations. And this is why I go back to it. It's running a business, right? It's a business. They so, need to make decisions. It's going to upset a lot of people. I've just thought of something else. Okay. So one of the things that we've agreed on is that, you know, she's, yeah, trying to, to an Englishman, and or any real cricket lover, but certainly to an Englishman and an Australian, is the pinnacle of Test cricket, right? If we're saying that because of that, you two think that these all three of us, it doesn't matter, right? Think that this price increase is almost justified. My next question is that then sets a precedent, okay? So, and any business, and we've all worked in businesses, and we've all worked know enough about business to understand this. 
once you set a precedent, you set a rod for your own back. Is there any way that Headingley at 90 quid or Old Trafford at 100 quid next year, if we're playing Sri Lanka and Afghanistan, because they're the two that I used earlier, they then drop their prices? Or do they they set a precedent and said, right, these are our ticket prices now for Test Cricket, and so that's we will try our best to sell them at the same price? Or is it because it's the Ashton? My thoughts on this are, yeah, 100%. So you've got a an A-class actor that is that you're, sorry, A-class comedian. Let's go. A-class comedian that you're going to go and watch. Exactly the same venue. You're going to go and watch that person perform because you know they are unbelievable. Versus a C-class comedian, are the ticket prices going to be the same, Jono? No, well, there's a difference. No, they won't. I, I don't accept your argument, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that, and I don't know, I don't know this, yes, but I would imagine that, oh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Are the do ECB charge more or expect more from the grounds for, to, do they bid more for Ashes tests than they would for a test against New Zealand or Sri Lanka or... Whatever. I know this is what we don't understand. We don't understand the hierarchy of how this works and how much money is paid for a test match, regardless of who it's with. You, yes, you would imagine that probably they do want, they will table higher bids for the Ashes than they would for a test match against Afghanistan. So we look, we don't know the inner workings. We could argue about this all day or discuss this. I'm going to use the rugby analogy that we used in week one. Yeah. Twickenham Stadium. There are four test matches that are happening through the month of November. There are Argentina, New Zealand, South Africa, and Japan. Yeah. The Argentina and Japan games are going for 29 to 50 quid. The South Africa and New Zealand games, in actual fact, you can't buy the New Zealand game. It's sold out. The South Africa game, you can still get a few tickets for. But the thing is, those tickets there are 100 quid up. Yeah. So double the price, same venue, different people would you pay more money to go and watch england australia versus england sri lanka yes you would yeah no fair in my opinion i would i I think look it's a healthy discussion it's one that anytime anybody sends us anything in we'll discuss it and we'll obviously three of us there's always more than likely going to be we'll either all agree or we'll disagree or or whatever but that's it's good that we actually talk about this stuff talking about that I've just remembered something. So was it, there was, I think it, was, it would have been Series 2. We discussed, actually uh, Graeme Swan and Matt Pryor went absolutely ballistic about the cost of junior pathway cricket through the uh, can system. And I then said that I'd been at a lunch and called out a particular CEO on on what it cost for junior pathways. and The same mother come back to me week and said, I don't know whether it's you and what you said at the lunch or whether it's slogging it and talking about it and this and that, but the fees have been like drastically reduced, like by about half next year for her son who's carrying on through the cancer pathway. So I think you know, us talking about it and us bringing awareness to it and whatever that, you know, we are making a difference, which is, I think is amazing news. Like it's either got through, I'm sure with a I'm not sure whether county board CEOs listen to slogging it, but I think, you know, people who might then have links into them, they do, or they've heard the arguments with it or whatever. But I think that's really positive because something that we've brought to light has now been changed. Now, whether that's a direct correlation with us talking about it or something else, I don't know. But that I think that's a really positive thing, especially with everything else that's going on, that county boards have realised that you can't start charging parents through the nose for stuff before they even know if their kids have made it into the squad. I think it might have something to do with the, uh, the the fact that one of the biggest advocates who was shouting about it is now the director of men's cricket. Rob Key. As much as I think our reach is broad, yeah, I, I maybe the fact that Rob Key was one of the yeah. first people shouting and saying it was going to cost the two and a half grand or just for kit and travel. Yeah, I've, I've, he might. I've heard my version of events, Rob. <laughs> Slogging it versus Rob Key. Yeah, Rob Key's going to win that. Who's got more sway? Well, thanks for that. Anyway, just... Sometimes, Robbo, you've just got to know which lines you Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, lads. Come on. Yeah. Let's go with slogging it, mate. Even Robbo's dog, Ted, agrees with me, I think. Uh, that sounds the thing. I referenced it a minute ago. This story all went quiet, right? Azim Rafiq. 
Now, think what you want of the bloke and whether people think he's right or whether he's wrong or whatever. Like, it's all kind of started coming to a head again this week. I don't know how much you two have seen about it or know about it. He's now talking about having to move his family out of the country because they're scared of reprisal attacks and this, that, and the other. It sounds like there's a lot, there's a lot more evidence and a lot more people have come forward with perhaps unsavory stories about Azim Rafi that means that he's now calling it, I can't remember the exact phrase that he used, but he's now come out all over social media again and said, look, it's targeted bullying and another again. Like, have you guys got any opinions on it? I know it's a, it's a boot subject and we can't really delve quite into it, but we've heard a lot of stuff offline about different things that obviously we can't really talk about, but everything this story is going, what, it all that seems to be from what we've heard about previously, or is there, are there more layers to this that are yet to come out? I don't think it's going anywhere good. That's the one thing. There is now no good that can come from this. I'm not saying by any means that means it should be washed under the carpet and things shouldn't be investigated. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think the damage to the game and the damage to certain counties and the damage to potentially certain individuals is now just massive. I think this, this, there's two things, and I, I'm going to make sure I phrase these the, try and get these the right way around so it doesn't sound like I'm trying to be for or against any party. The first one is if you're going to discredit someone or if you're going to try and show someone's statement to be questionable, is you just discredit them. We see it in court cases. We see it in newspapers all the time. If you want to be, render someone's testimony lesser, you just attack them, which is what a lot of people are now doing to Azim Rafiq. Now, I, I don't know whether that's right or wrong. I don't know whether the stuff they're saying is correct or incorrect or whatever. So that's kind of 101. If if you're a kid and you get caught doing something, the first thing you do is go, you were doing it as well. That's going to 101 in, in a playground. A way to defend yourself is to discredit the person who's accusing. The second thing I will say is a very old-fashioned saying is that people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Yeah. So if he has said these things, he is in one, not necessarily in a great position to be making accusations. So for me, certain people have got a right to defend themselves. A very close, someone that's been on the podcast has obviously been involved in this in Matthew Hoggard has come out and we know this, I'm pretty sure we now know this as fact that he rang Azim Rafiq and has apologized to him. Um, that's been out across the press and in the papers. And, and so there's people like that. And he said, look, it wasn't meant in that way. I apologize if it came across that way. I hope you're okay. If there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. And he's in conversations we've heard. He was horrified about the fact it was interpreted that way. Mm. So does that make it right or wrong? I'm not here to judge, to, to judge that in any way. If you said something that's racist and wrong, then yeah, it's wrong. But we all know our context and emotion and everything can yeah. be construed. So my overriding thought is there is now no good that can come out of this. We've seen what's happened at Yorkshire. They've gone in and tried to deal with it one way. That's now backfiring. We've seen that the ECB are trying to wash it in whatever way they're trying to or deal with it. Sorry, not wash it. I'm not saying they're trying to wash it away. They're trying to deal with it in whatever way they can. But I don't see there being any positives to come out of this. I don't see whatsoever's going to happen moving forward. I don't see how it can be any better. Huge. So it's a hundred percent agree. I've got very little add to add compared to what Robert said there. The only thing I'd say though, is whether Rafiq is right or wrong, I do not agree with people making him a victim or what's happened and what's been said has been said and it's in the public, unfortunately. So I don't think anybody needs to say anything towards him because it's now between the relevant parties. The example I'd use is, yeah, Jono's a good golfer. All of a sudden, he starts playing really well. All of, I start then slating him because he's a good golfer. It's got nothing to do with me. From my perspective, I think people need to leave him be. Instead of, when I read that he now is looking to leave the country because people are now yeah. abusing him online, that for me, it's not on. Irrespective of whether he's right or wrong, it's got nothing to do with us. Thank you for saying that we're a good golfer. I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. I genuinely think that's the nicest thing you've ever said about. I am playing with you in two weeks' time, so mm. yes, mm. I had to. You're going to be. We're going to be on the same team. No, I need, you need to be good in a few weeks as well, Johnny, because me and you're in a pairs comp. We are. Yeah, we found out we're playing you. Yeah. Promise yeah, you, you, you need to be there. 
Anyway, it's not by the bar. Yes. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And look, you know, I can't delve into that or say too much, but yeah, literally remain safe. Whatever the outcome of all of this is, I completely agree with both of you. Like no good that can really come of it. It's been an absolute mess. Think what you want about him or what you've heard or what he said or what they've said or whatever. It's no good for game. It's been a real stain on the game, hasn't it? So hopefully we can move past it, move on to the greater good of the game. Two things to finish with. I've got a story that I want to, that I want to finish with, which is a very funny story. Before we do that, I'm going to go into the league cricket draft and I'm going to let what we're going to discuss in our squads. Aren't we? Squads or teams? Which one? What would you rather do? Squads Squad. or teams? Oh. So I think, look. I'm going, I'm going team. Okay. So I think that what the cricket draft have done here is fantastic. My one, if I was to have one criticism, and it's not really a criticism, I think that two million is too much money because basically I, I've got, in a squad of 15, I've got 14 absolute jets. I mean, Actually, my 15th bloke who I'm unlikely to pick is also a very good player. He just happens to be very cheap, and I'm not sure whether that's, that's a, a mistake. But, okay, I went first. An underhanded compliment, if I've ever heard one. Well, yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to name our teams. Our first choice team. I went first on the England ones, yep. so, but we all have to do these individually. So, Eugene, first. Happy to go first. So very tactical. I have, and this might be something that our followers might want to follow. I've gone with people that always bat in the top order. So you will see that I have, pro I think I'm correct in saying, four openers in my batsman. Can I, sorry, before, before we go into this, I just want to share something with you that I said to Lisa earlier. Now, we... Everybody who's already signed up or everybody who's going to sign up to play in our league will have their own thoughts on the best way to put together a team. I haven't gone with a spinner because there are a lot of top-order batters who bowl very handy spin. And I personally think that you want to load it as much as you can with batters or all-rounders because if you've got batters who bowl spin, who will bowl spin. So, lads, I've gone, I've gone really tactical here and i've selected a lot of the top order batsmen as my batsmen i've gone in my the, the, as my three batsmen i've gone quinton de cock barbara azam david warner those are my three batsmen right that's that what i needed to choose right now i'm going with my all-rounders marcus stoinis tristan stubbs shut up khan and i'm not sure how i've done this but i've managed to get rohit sharma in as an all-rounder jesus what <laughs> Fucking okay. hell. I can't wait to watch him bowl. Fucking hell, if he's bowling at Liam Livingston, Australia might not be big enough. <laughs> yeah. some people might be stood in Auckland getting bombed. They might think Russia has got close. Oh, It might be absolute <laughs> carnage. The quietest country in the world are going to have incoming missiles from Perth. Yeah. Let's make it an even bigger hit. <laughs> Look, that, that's a question up for debate. A lot of people are going to be saying to me, well, hang on, Quinton de Kock is a batsman keeper. But now my batsman keeper is... Joss Butler. I think everyone listening to this would have Butler as their keeper. And then finally, my bowlers, I've gone Trimpolt, the absolute pocket rocket in Mark Wood, and Adil Rashid. One spinner, which I think, I don't know, it's still out for debate. But yeah, that's my 11. Okay. Robert? So, I've not, not gone down like the same plan as you. My batters are Butler, Hales, and David Miller. Jesus Christ. My all-rounders are Glenn Maxwell. Yeah. Jimmy Neesham. Moe and Alley. My last all-rounder <laughs> is because I'm a bowler, so I've gone Pat Cummins as my last all-rounder. Can just make one point there, please? Go on. You were a bowler. Yeah. <laughs> he's now a batsman. Is that what you're saying? Because he's got a decent bat. I'm, 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 I'm now an expert. He's now, he's now a bad golfer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my keeper is Mohamed Rizwan. Okay. My bowlers are Shaheen Shah Afridi. Yeah. Good pick. Asad Ralph. 
Oof. And Shamsi. Okay. Interesting. I've got play in my squad. I've got play in my squad, though, because I've got three all-rounders that I've not picked. The great thing about this is the three of us... I'm, oh, I can't wait to hear what Mike Brealy's picked here. I'm pretty sure I'm going to win <laughs> in week one. So, the caveat to this, I say this first name, my wife went absolutely fucking balmy at me. David Warner, Surya Kumar Yadav, Babra Zam, all-rounders, Rizwan, Maxwell, Nisham, Shakib Al Hassan, Crikey, okay, and keeper Butler, bowlers Shaheen Sharafridi, Mitchell Stark, Mark Wood. Do you know what? It's going to be it's going to be amazing to analyze yeah, this across. Not. We've selected completely different squads. Well, we've all got we've all got like three of the same players. <laughs> we? We've all got we've, Butler. We've both got Butler and Rizwan. Yes. No. We've all got Butler and Rizwan. No, uh, it doesn't have Rizwan. I do. No, I need team. No, sorry, I don't have Rizwan. I've got Baba Rizwan. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yes. Got both. So we've all got Butler. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Couple of us have got a 3D. Couple of us have got wood. I think you've got I don't. rogue picks. I do. I got wood. I got wood. Yeah. All right. All right. Huge. Can you, can you settle that down? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. waiting for someone to go there. Yeah. <laughs> I will be checking in game week one that you two have not changed their side. Your side. I've written these down. The only person I have a question around my squad is Rashid, the spinner, because he's been traveling. Yeah. So I selected my side a week and a half ago, and I'm now a little bit. But the, you know what the great thing about this is, and I think this is important for our listeners to understand and when they look at the draft, is week ga- game week one versus game week two, there's different teams. You can change your squad, right? You don't have to stick with the side. Two free changes, don't you? I think you get in your squad per game week. And then any others you get. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And now we should go through in reverse order. I'll tell you what, Jason Older might be picking out of mine when the West Indies don't qualify. Well, our our four our <laughs> four other squad picks, we should do that in reverse order. So I'll go first. So I've got Livingston in my squad. Marco Janssen, Alzari Joseph. And <laughs> right. And yeah, Robert Robbo's laughing. He got whacked miles by <laughs> he got whacked miles by Jock McDaniel from Scotland the other day. That's racist. You can't call him Jock McDaniel. He's called he's called Mike Watts or Mark Josh Watts. Mc- the um, other one, who is my one goober, I would say he's a goober, but he's actually been batting number three for Netherlands, is Baz Delader. How much does he cost you? Thirty five thousand pounds. Pat- Gotta be your cheapest pick. Yeah, by a long way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But if the Netherlands qualify and he's batting at three and they're playing against some old crap, get him in. Right, Bobo, who are you for? So my other four are Jason Older that I've already mentioned. Yeah. Terrible pick. <laughs> Is it Dananayaka de Silva? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good bowler. From Sri Lanka. Yeah. Chahal from India. You're going spinner heavy. I don't like it. And the next final one? And then Shreyas Iyer. Oh, interesting. Okay. Good batter. Eugene? Arshep Deep Singh. How much? So, Indian left. Oh, left. <laughs> Arshep Deep Singh. Yeah, yeah. Left arm swing bowler. Yeah. Where's yep. he? I've also gone Chahal, like Robbo. He's, my, he's one of the guys I've got in. Yeah. And then I've got two absolute weapons in <laughs> Mohammed Rizwan and David Miller sitting on the bench. Rizwan's on the bench. Pounce when I... Yeah. He's the second best batter in the world. No, he's the top T20 batter in the world at the moment. What are you doing? <laughs> You've put Quinton... I can't wait until... I can't wait for first game and Rizwan and Miller to get millions. And you, you then to bring him in and I drop him. mental. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, though, because a lot of the big guns... So, obviously, uh, um, India play Pakistan, 
Uh, really play New Zealand. There's some big games early doors. So there's our squad, which is going to be interesting. Uh, do with it what you will. This will come out before Saturday. So if people want to copy us or ignore us, I'd probably go with ignore us rather than copy us. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So we're going to finish with the copiers. The three of us have completely different opinions. This is what I love about it is people will pick and choose their squads, their players, their side. And one of us is going to be right. The rest of us are going to be wrong. Correct. I just genuinely can't wait to watch Rohit Sharma bowl. I'm genuinely excited about it. First new Livingston hitting out of Australia. Um, there'll be people ducking in off. Oh, they won't have I don't know what's going on. We're gonna we're gonna finish with a funny cricketing story. So we haven't. We, I don't think we've had any in this week. So I'll go with one of mine. So I was playing in this Sunday game. This is years and years ago, right? Maybe two thousand and five or something like that. So it was, it was a Sunday game, right? When I could be asked to play two games in a weekend, and I, you know, I was young enough and fit enough to do it. And there was this old boy that used to play with a club called Letchworth in Hertfordshire. And uh, this old fellow, Reg, who used to play with us. Now, Reg had, the, your jam, people call them jam jar glasses because they're thick as fuck. Like, you, you're, you're basically like worse than blind if you need to use them to be able to see. Like, that's how bad your eyesight is. Anyway, talk about hi, hiding people in the field. Like, I hide at first slip now because I can't be asked to run anywhere. But poor old Reg, you'd literally just drop him at like deep backward square from ball one or you hope that he never went to. Like he bought him a couple of hours later on a way to him out of Just loved the game. So <laughs> I can't remember where I was feeling at this point, but anyway, we're in the field. And the, the, this bloke hits this ball out in somewhere in his ready, the, the various direction. So people start screaming, that's trying to see it. So anyway, Reg, bless him. Fucking clueless. He's got idea where this ball is like it could have been it could have been wednesday for all he knew it was he's got zero idea anyway so as it turns out he's running one way then we're like no left 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 he's paul boats basically ended up running circles he's got no fucking clue what's going on anyway he then basically out the corner of these glasses sees <laughs> the only thing he can see that is vaguely red right so he runs over to it picks it up and tries to throw it in in any kind of direction that he thought was even vaguely like back to where we were. It turns out, because we were playing on the council ground, he picked up an empty can of Coke and tried to throw it in. The ball went to the floor about five minutes. Oh, <laughs> what a lad. So and I bet you now, no, no, Knowing you, John, it was the ball was nowhere near him. It went to backward point or something. Not sure you? I did the call in. I'm not sure I was quite the like horrible human that I am now. But that that nowadays I would absolutely have done that. But the poor bloke. I mean, to watch someone <laughs> um, pick something up and try and throw it in to, to which he dropped by his feet because it what had a legend like weight or force behind it. It was absolutely hilarious. So Red, wherever you are, God bless you, my friend. Uh, please do continue to send us in funny stories like. Things like that from games or Johnny Bairstow's ever tried to run you over as well. Maybe we can com- make some kind of campaign to get Johnny Bairstow off the road. I don't know. But we hopefully we'll see him at the on the 5th of December at the Lord's Tavs Christmas lunch. Gents, we've covered quite a lot tonight. Some serious, some joking. It'll be interesting to see how our teams do. We'll discuss that game week one and maybe even game week two because there are only three days. We might have got through two game weeks by the time we board. I know we won't actually because I'm going back from I'm coming back from Spain, aren't I? So we've got to record early next week. But anyway, that's all by the by. Listener, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you're an incredibly valuable man to us just to keep this all worthwhile. Uh, what one person listening for an hour and a half every week is incredibly valuable. I must say again, one of the things we can't forget is the Lord's Taverners. Uh, he's text tabs 11 to 60331 to give three pounds. Uh, you'll have heard from last week. And if you haven't, please do listen to it. Mark, the CEO, doing his interview with us. Like, not only what it means to the charity and the kids and the help of the families and the, the kind of respite it gives them by the kids allowing to, you know, allowing them to have some free time and whatever, and the kids enjoying the cricket and the opportunities that the Tubs provide them with so much. Yeah, we'll see you next week. By which time, uh, we're on the way home from Spain, so we'll be recording early. We'll have known, we'll know what game week one of the draft looks like. If you haven't already, Please don't copy uh, Robert or Eugene's team. If you want to be successful, copy mine. We shall see. 
And as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Gentlemen, I love you both dearly. And um, we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. See you later, boys. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.